Welcome to the Geek Teak Podcast, where it's so bad tonight, it's good. I can't believe the technical problems we have been plagued with. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. And it's not one of us, it's both of us. We it's are, both of we're us. here. Yeah, it's, we haven't had a technical issue, like, before the podcast for almost three years at this point. It's like, since week three or four, we when we got our setup figured out, it has been rock solid. And we might have we might have a connection issue every now and then and have to yeah. stop and pick it back up. But that's f- a few minutes at most. We just spent half an hour trying to make it do what we do every single week and we cannot figure it out. So we are doing a different setup, but we're still recording all the audio <laughs> locally. So it should sound the same to you guys. But we are we are a little it is. I don't know what we are at the moment, but we're, we're something. flummoxed. We're flummoxed and flustered and flabbergasted. Yes, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Tonight, uh, we wanted to do our mid-year review not review but mid-year episode where we check in and talk about like the best things from the first half of the year and it's a little bit late but it's our podcast whatever we're gonna roll with it um i really like this episode i like that we did it last year because we don't have to rank anything um we usually end up ranking things a little bit but this is not the end of the year like top 10 list or top five list or whatever we do that year this is really like what have we liked so far and then out of those which things do we want to dig a little deeper in and talk about because by the time we get six more months down the line or five months because we're a little bit late this year um a lot of this stuff won't be won't make the cut for end of the year so this is a really good time to talk about all of it and it was jennifer asked me what we were talking about tonight my wife asked and i was i told her what it was and i realized that this is a really good episode why they're always so fun for me is it's a good jumping in point for people as well who may not have been able to catch up and listen to every single episode during the year they can listen to this one and see really get kind of a best of list it's like a clip show and a sitcom where it's like okay here's the stuff that you really may want to hear about and go check out yourself yeah invite your friends so let's jump in um we kind of organized it this year and i think we did something similar last year where we have a section on books a section on like everything watchable like movies tv youtube all that thing all of those kinds of things and then uh games and games will probably be a big chunk towards the end so maybe we start with books do yeah. you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of reading this year, mainly because, and and part of it we've talked about is just like there haven't been a whole lot of books that have caught our attention. There have been a few audiobooks here and there, but really, Oathbringer was still one of them that took up most of my first half of the year because I was still in the middle of my Brandon Sanderson uh, reread of everything Cosmere, and so I can't help but just talk about Oathbringer being just so fantastic that it's still one of them that's in the back of my mind as wanting to reread uh with the third book of the stormlight archive it's one of my favorite series i just i just adore it and i can't believe that the series is almost like not almost done but it's gonna be so long until i can get another one that it feels feels just wrong that it was that it's gonna be so long but it was so good that i was so glad that that one came out last year and I'd, I'd prepped for it because I got so much more out of it after having read the entire Cosmere beforehand that it, it really, really helped me understand what was going on in Oathbringer a lot better. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I have that one on my list too. So I wanted you to talk about it first, obviously, because you're mm. way more like into that world and Sanderson than I am, even though we both right. like it. I liked it a lot. I just, for some reason, I haven't latched on to fiction as much this year. Like, I'm yeah. striking out a lot with the books that I've tried. Like, I'll get a little ways into them, and I just can't commit because it's not interesting enough or unique, or I feel like 
I've read all of these things before or some variation of them. Right. Um, I feel like I've really fallen out of fantasy this year in a way that I never have in past years. And sci-fi is more appealing. But even there, I'm kind of more choosy with my sci-fi on the fiction yeah. side. Um, the one that did stick out for me was Forever War. And I know I talked about that. Oh, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Um, it's an old book. I mean, compared to what we normally talk about. <laughs> yeah. But I liked it a lot. Like that one resonated with me for some reason. And I really want to check out the next one or two. I know there's a follow up or two after that. Um, but I like that book a lot. And I was surprised it's, by it. It's brilliant. It was one that I was amazed you hadn't read and that I'd never even mentioned to you because it's because I hadn't read it for, until a couple of years ago. It was it was a few years ago that I'd read it for the first time because people were talking about it being a classic. And it was like one of these that every sci-fi fan has read or should read. And it was kind of the thing I didn't realize you hadn't either. Uh, and then you said you read it because it's fantastic. And I didn't know there was a series until you did that, that until you read it, I, I thought that was all there was. And I was just kind of sad about it and now i still haven't gone back and picked them up but i know that there's a series and i'm so excited because the the books by the, is it joe haldeman that did it uh did them like oh, i'm they're, so bad at remembering authors something joe something I, I, that's not gonna help I, anybody it doesn't don't look up joe something for forever war but uh, i think it's joe haldeman and it's it's one of those books that really takes relativity into account in the best way for storytelling. Yeah, and that, it's that's not like just the using core it. conceit is like time travel through relativity, like not time travel on purpose for the most part, but like because of the way that they get into a war. I mean, it's a war. It's what it's about. Um, and having to like go out to the far flung reach, reaches of I don't know if it's quite the universe, but the galaxy or space or whatever it is. Um, relativity basically makes you travel through time, even though that's not the intention. And all all of the kind of knock on consequences of that. Yeah, and it really handles it better in a not hokey way. It, it it looks at the idea of what humanity is at any given time and how different different cultural landmarks and historical milestones really affect long-term evolution of a species and culture it's it's really really good yeah and then well i mean you have one more sci-fi book on here too so obviously that, it's clicking with you this year too it is and fantasy kind of hit that for me as well it wasn't necessarily this year but it's been that fantasy feels very samey to me and so there's a lot of sci-fi that i can get into that takes conceits in a completely different way that a lot of fantasy authors fall into the same same kind of tropes i think a lot more easily than sci-fi authors do or at least some sci-fi authors and uh, i would you turned me on to the collapsing empire by john scalzi yes i didn't realize I like it book. had been published and it's awesome that i was listening i've been listening to fiction because of running that whenever i got back into running i was able to go and uh keep audiobooks going as I as I ran and being able to keep audible like that was it let me get through books that I would not have been able to get through otherwise and this book was just just brilliant talking about kind of like the forever war where there's a spread out community a spread out empire and the the lanes of travel that allow them to bypass relativity are collapsing so there are no more paths between some of the worlds and it's kind of they have like a guild-based monopoly system to keep everything going and it's very political and it feels kind of like a dune that's not quite as bad dune yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I love Dune though, but it is it is very Dune. It, I I don't know how to say it. it's not because I love it, but there are parts that are bad and boring, and this one kind of is Scalzi's take on that. Yeah, it's. I guess it's political. I didn't think about it that way. I thought about it as like the fallout of having such an interconnected empire. I mean, that's what it is, you know, an interconnected government and society and all of that. What happens when all of those like webs of connection start to break? And that's what the whole book is about. I mean, it gets to it a little bit later in the book. It's kind of revealed, but it's hard to talk about the book and make it interesting without telling people that up front, which is why I don't worry about it in situations like this. But the whole second book is going to just be dealing with like the fallout. Um, and a lot of this book was too in, in many ways anyway, but yeah, just like how that's going to impact society and the characters that you follow throughout the book. And, it's just so well done that I didn't know how I was going to like it with just the... Because the, I like I like pretty much all of Scalzi's work, but a lot of them better than others. And I was thinking this might have fallen into like Red Shirt's area for me, where it's good, but it's not great. Fuzzy Nation, those. And no, I got like three chapters in, maybe, and I was all in. That it was, it was fantastic. And I actually went and looked, and the second book is releasing on october 18th and i just went ahead and pre-ordered it for uh for my kindle uh i'll probably still get it for audible uh, as well but i went ahead so i would remember more than anything else because like you and i talked about on our books podcast we don't pay any attention to when they're coming out and forget so that's basically a reminder for me to uh to go listen to it or read it i do that too i will pre-order books just to remember that it's even a thing that exists i think we're in the same boat there um for me this year like the books that actually has stuck out in my mind have been nonfiction, which is extremely weird for me. Like, yeah, I is. almost never read nonfiction. And the two that I wanted to talk about tonight are both nonfiction. So um, Blood, Sweat and Pixels is that deep dive I talked about into basically what goes on behind the scenes of game development. And right. it does a deep dive into 10 individual games and like 10 different studios. So I don't know. It was just so fascinating to me as somebody who follows gaming news and I, you know, gaming is probably my primary hobby day to day. Um, It was a cool look and I recommend it if you are kind of in that same place that I am where you want to know more about it and you're interested in what goes into making games. That And one thing that uh, the making game stuff like that is it falls into that perfect category of all those documentaries that we watch where I want to read this one so much because of that because of how it it really connects like the no clip documentaries with uh, different YouTube channels that we watch and just they're I love seeing behind the scenes and meeting the people. Yeah, and I mean the other one is kind of in the same vein. It's the big picture, the fight for the future of movies, which is I forget the name of it every time I try to remember it off the top of my head, but that that's the full title. The big picture colon the fight for the future of movies and It's the same idea. It's a deep dive into a different industry. It's filmmaking. Um, And it was able to be created because of all the Sony emails that leaked. It basically gave this journalist who covers the film industry that I like him anyway as a journalist. But he got the insight into everything that had happened at Sony Pictures over the course of a bunch of years through these emails. So it was like him being embedded for years in that studio and seeing everything that went on behind the scenes. And... It talks all about how how movies are changing and how the genres are morphing and how there aren't as many movies. And because of that, the movies that there 
are need to be more successful and they have a lot more pressure put on them. It also gets into cinematic universes and why those are being created and why everybody wants a cinematic universe now. Nothing can just be a standalone movie like it used to be, um, which starts to get around the edges of like, why aren't there really rom-coms anymore? Like we don't really see those anymore. And there's a bunch of genres like that that they touch on. Why aren't there star feature movies anymore? Like if you think 10 years ago, there are all of these movies that it was like, oh, that's a Will Smith movie or that's a Adam Sandler movie or that's a whatever those don't exist in the same way that they used to um it's not really about the actors anymore even though they can be like a nice addition it's more about the series and the brand and so it covers that shift which has been like a monumental shift in hollywood and for me part of the enjoyment of this book is that peak inside of an industry that i think is interesting but the thing that applies to this one which is probably going to make it my favorite book of the year that doesn't really apply to Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, is that for me, this is the road I didn't travel. Like, I had a point Uh, in my career, in my life, where I could have gone to California or New York and been part of the film industry. I I had pads in front of me where I could have easily done this as a career, and I didn't. Um, I didn't for a number of reasons, and I'm really glad that I didn't. Like, I love my life, and I love the decisions I made, but... I have other friends who took that path. I have friends that work in movies right now who are on active movie sets probably as we speak. I could have been one of them, and I could have made that into my life on one of the coasts, and I chose not to. So for me, not only is it fascinating to see the industry, but it's also fascinating to see more of the business and like the inside of the business that I chose not to get into for my career. And that's really interesting for me in, in knowing you and knowing how much how good you are at that stuff and how much you do enjoy it but at the same time when it's a job how i don't want to say it was soul sucking for you to do that but it got boring and to the point where if you had gone out there i think you would have hated the culture and having to do work that you felt wasn't necessarily uh engaging like you want work to be oh no i think I you would it. be truly I, miserable i like the work it's just it's hard to do that work and have a family at the same time and any kind of balanced social life with like work life balance basically it okay. doesn't exist in that industry um same is true if you get into TV broadcasting, which was another path that I did some of professionally and then I kind of bounced out of for similar reasons. I mean, I wanted to find a full-time job where I can have semi-normal hours and actually like raise a family. That's why I made the decisions I made. And this is something that was like, I could have done it and I still love production. Like I love live production especially, um, but production in general has always been a passion of mine and I don't think that's ever going to go away. It's just at this point, like I've made my decisions and I'm happy with them and I'm glad to live with them. But it's so cool to see the industry that like, I know it really well because I've lived many, many parts of it. And I'm just intrigued by it because I am so disconnected from it that I I just want to learn about it because I love it from I'm I've never been invested in it directly I studied it that was where I was coming from in college and grad school was doing the the film theory and pop culture studies so I see it from the academic perspective rather than business I see it solely from the the storytelling and cinematography side and the business you know who cares and it's great for me because I love knowing all of it like that's not where any of my head has ever been and as I've moved out of academics Jennifer and I both pay more attention to what's the behind the scenes stuff 
stuff. And it's really cool to see this book uh, show it all of that, showing all of that. And like, I think you even mentioned that one in Slack today, wasn't it? Was that the one that you had linked? Uh, yeah, when we were I was talking about say, movies like, and everything. If you guys ever want to like see Rob and I go off on tangents about the production industry and film, all you have to do is kind of start a discussion on Slack, and we will probably tangent off for a while because both of us come from that world. We went to college together and we were both part of the same program. So we both know what goes into production and we know people who are in the industry or have been in the industry or went in and then washed out for various reasons. Um, it's, it's a whole different world in that kind of industry, but it's interesting and I'm passionate about it. And that's one of the things I don't even remember. I don't know what got that conversation started. It was one that was today. Uh, you guys who are listening to this, it came, came, through on Slack today, and I don't even remember what started it, but all of a sudden, I, my phone starts dinging, I look at it, and there are just strings of paragraphs of just walls of text, like they they care, and it's wonderful, I loved it, and it was just it was just so funny to me. Yeah, so that's probably a good transition into movies, TV, YouTube, everything we're watching. I don't know what to call this category, I used to just call it like shows, but that's not right. It's film, Visual media! But it's TV, it's visual media. I mean, they all blend together at this point, and this is part of the discussion that we were having today on the geek to geek Network uh, Slack, was that, like, films are watched on the big screen, and they're watched on your iPhone. Like, they're watched everywhere. They can be in your living room, or your iPad, or on your computer. Like, we watch things everywhere now, and whether you want to call them video, or TV, or movies, or whatever, but, you know, things we're watching, that's probably this category. Um, I had a couple that I wanted to mention because they were good, but I don't know if I have a whole lot extra to say about them. So Black Panther, it was like a really solid MCU movie. I I don't know. I still like it. It's good. Um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. I like that way more than I should have. It was really good. Like, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. You turn your brain off a little bit and you just enjoy it and you're along for the ride. And what makes me really sad about that one is that I've I, I loved it. Like that is one I'm wholeheartedly right there with you. Is that I've seen some people bashing it for that. That uh, that it's just this this silly dumb action movie and uh, like that's what it is. That that it's not trying to be anything else than that. It never it was never art. It was The Rock and Jack Black and and I can't and and I can't remember who else is even in it right now. Karen Gillan saying funny things, doing silly things. It it's that's the entire movie and it's perfect for that. Yeah, I mean the other one that kind of falls in this category for me is uh, Avengers Infinity War, which I'm surprised cuz like I really liked it. I loved seeing it on opening night. I still think it's a great movie and it's like such an ambitious crossover and it's so well earned and so built up to. And it's just like amazing that movie ever happened. But after that initial just getting the thoughts out of my head, which you and I didn't even really talk about because you were out that week. Right. Like I just kind of spewed at the microphone for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And I haven't really felt any need to go back to it or think about nope. it a whole lot. I mean, and part of it is that it's, it's half a story. I mean, I know people will argue with me that it's not because plenty of people have on Twitter. Um, but it's, <laughs> I agree with you. It's half a story. Like, it's not yeah. over yet. I need the other half to know what I really think and then give it a lot of, like, brain power. I'm hoping. Um, but for the moment, like... I'm impressed by what they did, and I don't have a whole lot of other thoughts about it. I mean, they did a really good job of making it as standalone as it could possibly be, knowing that 
part four that the second half of it has been in production and doing you know filmed at the same time and us knowing that avengers three and four was going to be a two-parter we knew that going in but they did a really good job of making this one as standalone as possible and you know i'm with you on that uh that it is half a movie they've told half a story even though they came to a conclusion ish on certain arcs in this one well i regardless, mean the mcu but, is a tv show at this point it's a long-running extremely well-produced extremely high budget running tv show basically yeah it just happens to be on the big screen um but this totally felt like it it felt like an amazing episode of this show that we've all been following for years now but it was the mid-season finale yeah this yeah, is the mid-season finale of the avengers show and they're coming back in the spring and we're going to figure out what's going on uh, for sweeps yeah i mean they're going to set it up for the next part of the season you know the next phase of the mcu or whatever it ends up being so anyway i like those three a lot um i have more thoughts about the other ones on my mm-hmm. list so why don't you run through a couple of yours first well i didn't i didn't include avengers infinity war on mine and it was for almost the same reason as you, because it was kind of forgettable for me. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't have anything else to say about it. It was just kind of, okay, that was there. And then I'm just moved on. Yeah. Black Panther, on the other hand, I adored Black Panther. I've gone back and rewatched it a couple of times. I went to an academic panel uh, for professors at the local university that where they were talking about it in terms of, of race and African culture. And we had all sorts of interdisciplinary professors there. And it really opened my eyes to how important Black Panther is on a wider scale. And to some, and it opened my eyes to some issues that, you know, as being a straight white dude, I have no clue about that I have zero idea about. And one of them, you know, and not to get political or anything, because I know that's not where this podcast is, but one of them was the idea of identity and, uh, and using someone's name and, um, Eric Killmonger, his character, like, I don't want to refer to him as Killmonger anymore. And when we talk about it, uh, Jennifer and I and everybody else, I know, like, I'll always refer to him as Eric because of the idea of, of, using the name that someone has chosen versus the name that they're given which is a huge thing that i didn't even i wasn't even aware of until this and so it's really opened my eyes to the to the depth that uh they've put into black panther so i really really loved it that was something that uh, infinity war didn't have it didn't have that kind of depth that i could think about things like that it was good it was one of those popcorn movies but it wasn't mind-blowing it didn't change the way i saw things and black panther actually did and then this in the same vein uh crazy ex-girlfriend the tv show is probably my favorite thing that yeah, i've you watched this year. that one up you watched that it's, a bunch i've and we've re-watched part of it jennifer and i have listened to the soundtrack of this show on trips because we love the songs that much because it's an original music every episode has multiple original musical numbers in it and it's great that it is is it has been put together so well that you think it's a very silly show at the at the beginning and it is a silly show i mean it's a cw comedy but by the end of it uh they've got one season left and they're actually wrapping up the story uh starting this fall and they are taking it in a very it's still silly and over the top but they're really tackling issues that come up with mental health that people who don't suffer from say personality disorders or or any kind of major anxiety or depression or or 
social phobias have they they get the nuance on there that I see other shows make jokes of and this one is treating it with the respect it deserves and that doesn't happen in mainstream media a lot which is why crazy ex-girlfriend i think is really important to watch and get people to watch uh for that but it's also really silly and they sing songs about like utis and things like that so it's really fun we i don't remember when i watched glow I don't remember if it came out last year or this year, but Glow Season 2 was on, and we are adoring it just as much. I really like Mark Maron. I really like uh, Allison Brie as the, as the main character, Ruth. Like, it's just very, very good. I did not think I was going to like Glow, like, about the glamorous uh, ladies of wrestling, because I didn't watch it as a kid. I wasn't invested in that. I only liked WWE uh in college, like I liked it when it was WWF when I was a kid, but just in the oh my friends are watching it so kind of thing. And then in college I got into it, but it was never wrestling was never my thing. And Glow though is so character based that we watched the trailer and started watching the first season and it was awesome. Season two was just as good. I'm really enjoying it. And then we watched The Incredibles 2. We did a whole episode on it. So I really wanted to bring up The Incredibles 2 because it really is great. Um, but probably my favorite thing that's come out this year that I've, there that I've watched this year was the Toys That Made Us documentary series on Netflix. Oh, yeah, that one's cool. That, it's so cool. Like I, The stuff I didn't even realize that went into making the toys that, that I love as a kid, say he, like He-Man or, or Transformers. The, I didn't even like Transformers as a kid. I had a couple of them, but I wasn't I, like, I, I never liked the TV show or anything. It just, that wasn't my thing. Well, I was a G.I. Surprising Joe guy. No I, one. I really liked guy. the Star Wars toy episode. It was very good. It was. There's also one, if you've never seen it, in that same vein called Plastic Galaxy. That's the story of Star Wars toys. Oh, it's cool. on Amazon Prime. It's great. And it's a longer version of that that episode of Toys That Made Us, basically. Just seeing what went into these and how Transformers was a, Jap- a mishmash of Japanese uh, to- uh, robot toys that they had. Just stuff like that. Learning about them. But it was still, at the same time, really, really fun. And the people who made he-man are like dirty old men and like they have mouths on them like they there was some language in there i wasn't expecting in a in a tv show about he-man it was it it surprised me but just a fantastic tv show and then just the ones that you know then the ones i would gloss over you know i love nailed it there's season two of it where it's the parody cooking show and so we watch it when there's something silly altered carbon on netflix the uh the adaptation of one of my favorite sci-fi novels can't wait for season two i think i've said everything that i have to say about it other than you guys need to watch it if you haven't and then i really liked the uh where dreams go to die documentary about uh the guy running the barkley marathons and trying to to finish it and and it's uh it's really really good and it's now free on youtube like i bought it months ago and watched it and it's one of the best sports documentaries i've ever watched and the ginger runner has now fully put the entire documentary on youtube to watch so you can go check that out if you want to that was one of the reasons i wanted to include it here because i watched it adored it and just just put a blog out on like wrote a, a really glowing review on uh, my running shoes.tv blog and then uh now it's free for everybody so y'all need to go watch it <laughs> That's sweet. But no, good note. I I still need to watch that. And I tried and nailed it and I just couldn't do it. But Alter Carbon. Oh, I understand. Alter Carbon, I'm definitely interested in what season two looks like for that show. Yep. 
and there's a that's one of them that's like Black Panther that there are a lot of like racial nuance uh, talks that I want to have with people that I, because I'm not I don't understand I don't even know how to put it like yeah what you're trying I to say see is them. that we are two suburban white guys and we're not at all qualified to talk about it but I yes. think you and I are both very open and interested in learning more about like what goes into I don't even know like just race as like a social issue and how it plays into other people's lived experience that neither of us yes. has that's perfect qualified all of that yes that we're not qualified to talk about it but it's there to be talked about yes and it's worth watching yep for sure um the other two for me that i want to dive a little deeper in thor ragnarok and I don't know if I had this on my end of the year list because I didn't watch it till like right near the end of last year. I don't remember if I watched it before or after we recorded our end of the year episode. I think you may have watched it after, actually. I was trying to figure it out from our show notes and I couldn't quite piece it together. But I have rewatched this movie a bunch, which I don't really do. Um, And that's why I'm counting it in this year anyway, because like... I, outside of Star Wars, Star Wars is my exception. You all probably know this by now. Um, But outside (laughs) of like that series, the amount of movies that I've watched like five or more times as an adult, I could probably count on one hand. I might not even fill up the whole hand. Um, Thor Ragnarok is one of them at this point. I have rewatched this five times. And that's oh, wow. that's insane for me. Like if I rewatch stuff, it's usually once because I saw it once in theaters and I want to see it once at home. But like right. movies that I've actually rewatched, like just to go back and revisit the movie and just have it as an experience again and again, I don't do that. And I find myself continually going back to Thor Ragnarok. So I had to call it out and it might be on my end of the year list for this too, just because I keep watching it. It's Probably, I don't know if it is the best MCU movie, but I think it is definitely the most fun of any of them to turn on and watch. I think that you cannot get better than Thor Ragnarok because it takes everything that was good about the MCU before it and like kind of polished it into this this perfect action comedy with all of the best characters from all of the the most popular movies yeah it's it's so good um and then the it's other one things. that like i'm constantly amazed by is no clip like the no clip documentaries oh, that are completely free for everybody on youtube um they're supported by patreon so if you like them as much as i do you should probably go to their patreon and donate a couple bucks i do um but they are just constantly amazing deep dives into video games and what goes on with kind of anything around them right they're not doing quick hit reviews they're not trying to stay up to date with the latest like gaming you know horse race which i love that too i do that in my spare time because i find it fun but these are documentaries like nowhere else in the industry they will like stay with a team and talk it to all the members of a team about a game that was developed over the course of years and uh, i don't i don't know i'm just i'm continually impressed and it seems like every time i bring it up you are too they are probably my favorite producers on youtube in terms of actual 
creating real fully fleshed out production quality content that that this is stuff that i would be paying for to buy the the full blu-ray with special features documentaries on this they are they are not just these guys on youtube who happen to be talking about video games they are not us (laughs) like people like they're not fans who want to have these more nuanced discussions of it they go in and these are fully produced professional documentaries and i'm never not impressed by them when i watch one they're so good so if you guys are looking for a way to get into them um i would recommend probably the top four documentaries that i would recommend at this point from them um the horizon zero dawn one is really good all of them are really good but horizon zero dawn uh witcher three and then they also have a Fallout 76, which is fairly recent. Uh, I watched it probably since the last time we recorded, actually. And it's like they were actually embedded with the studio for like a couple weeks right at the end of the production. Not the end of mm-hmm. production because it's still in production, but right near the end of when Fallout 76 was still a secret right before it got announced. And yep, they announced it at E3 that there yeah. was this documentary. Yeah, and so that's such a cool look at a game still in progress, but you get to understand like the challenges they had to overcome, where the thinking from the game came from, and then like what they're trying to do and what their approach is. And it really lets you contextualize so much more about a game than you possibly could from reading a review or just watching a quick video or Let's Play. Um, and then the other one that's just amazing is the documentary they did about Bethesda. So it was the same time that they were there doing this Fallout 76 one. They did a deep dive on Bethesda as a game studio and all the games they've ever made. So that one is also fantastic. If you haven't watched that, you should. It's like a 90-minute one, too. Wow, because I I haven't, and I've been meaning to, and it's one that I just haven't sat down and watched yet, and I didn't realize they were two separate documentaries. Yes. I thought they were one documentary. Nope, it's two separate ones. So Fallout 76 is great on its own, and then the Bethesda Studio one is just so cool. And I'm actually waiting to watch The Witcher one until I'm ready to play The Witcher 3, or the, what was it, CD Projekt Red that they did. I'm waiting to watch it until I'm ready to play Witcher 3, because I know it's going to make me want to play it. And so when I'm ready, I'm going to watch it and then just dive right into the Game of the Year edition. That is a really good idea. Um, This is probably a good spot to take a break and talk about Geeky Offer of the Week. You can go to GameflyOffer.com slash geek and get a one-month free trial for Gamefly. You get to rent whatever game. They send it right to you in your mailbox, and you keep it as long as you want. You return it. Uh, It helps the podcast, and you get a free month out of it, so it's pretty cool. Um, We should also mention the network. So... This week on Geektitude, Joe had Rob on. So Rob made his triumphant return to podcasting, which we all knew was going to happen. He wasn't going to stay away for long. Yep. He's our, I don't know, I guess, resident podcaster on the loose freelancer at large. That's what it's usually called, isn't it? An editor at large. He's our podcaster at large. Podcaster at large. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Um, So Rob was on Geektitude with Joe, and he basically did a prep episode of the comic box, but in Geektitude format with Joe, all about Ant-Man and the Wasp, because it just came out. So that's a great episode. Um, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. They talked about sci-fi and fantasy TV shows written by men versus women and the differences, which was really fascinating to listen to. And then... On the network, Capsule J, who is one of our mods on Reddit, and he's very active in the community, um, he's been running the watch-alongs for anime, and the poll just closed. So he wanted me to mention that the winning summer watch-along series is, oh man, can you pronounce this? I Hold up, where is it? I gotta find it. I, I had it <laughs> Hannah, pulled up. Hannah Bada, you speak Japanese more than I do. Help me, please. He said it's oh, an God. anime about badminton. 
And then the winning uh, anime for the rewind event, so it's like a rewatch of an older anime, is Cowboy Bebop. That one I know for sure. Can you say that word? I think is it Hanabato. Hanabato. There we go. We'll go. Hanabato. I think. I don't know. I think. I think maybe. And then Cowboy Bebop. I mean, I can say that one. Yeah, I know Cowboy Bebop. Um, and then <laughs> the other thing that not directly part of the network, but I wanted to mention it is Blogist is happening again this year. So Belgast, who is a friend of the show and a longtime friend of me online from blogging and then other places these days we're friends on twitter and slack and all sorts of places um they do uh the agro chat podcast so if you guys don't listen to that it's a group of friends that get together it's kind of a rotating cast but bell is almost always there and they just kind of talk for like an hour every saturday night about whatever they're doing related to games or geekery not that dissimilar from us but a little bit more casual and so he on agronaut.com so if you go to agro and then naut.com um he has all this info about bloggist so what bloggist is and i'm probably going to need you to jump in and help me explain it because it's been a while but it's essentially an effort to get people into blogging that haven't or to get old bloggers back into the habit so i'm probably going to be participating because i have not been writing a whole lot this year i've been very busy with work but this is a really good excuse to get back into it and do a little bit more writing but yes if you have ever thought about creating content and you've needed an excuse i'm giving you the excuse right now um participate in bloggist you can do whatever it doesn't have to be a blog if you want to do like a stream every night and then take the recording of that stream and just embed it on a blog somewhere that that counts you know if you want to do any kind of content creation like maybe you're drawing every night and you just post a picture of your drawing on tumblr or on like whatever self-hosted blog wordpress or, or like blogger or twitch stream it on yeah. one of the, the art channels however it goes yeah all of that counts it's, and so bloggist has a bunch of mentors which i would love to do but i don't know if i have the time so i don't think right. i'm gonna sign up for it but um it has a bunch of mentors and then it's gonna have a ton a ton of participants so so um, usually when we do events like this for the blogging community, there's a lot of writing prompts. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of interaction. So you don't have to feel like you're all on your own for creating stuff. So if you're at all right. interested, again, um, you can go to agronaut.com or you can just reach out to us on any of our places, yeah. you know, uh, on Twitter or on Slack or wherever. I will happily send you many links about it and tell you about it. Um, and I think and I'm not sure. This is did this start as the newbie blogger initiative years and years ago and then kind of morph into this because it's the same idea of it is blogging every day or almost every day and having a group of mentors basically ease you into the community and kind of with best practices and, and lessons that we've learned. And I'm kind of like with you, I would love to be a mentor on this one because, you know, I've been doing it for like 10 years and and feel like I know enough now, but don't really feel like I can commit to it to somebody but the the there is a discord community they have set up that you can link that there's a link to that I actually joined while you were talking about it I pulled it up and uh it's just it's just great the community on these these blogging initiatives are fantastic these blogging events are great and like you said I'm I'm probably going to join in for the same reason even though I blog every day for work I've been wanting to get back into pop culture blogging and this is a really good excuse for me to do that and uh and put something out on on online that I want to again. Yeah, and like, here's your warning. Like 20 days early, if you're interested, you can psych yourself up. And like I said, um, go to agronaut.com or just reach out to one of us and we can hook you up with links. The, I mean, part of the idea here too, the core of it, is that like, 
a lot of social media is just not a good place to build a community. Like you, you can find your community. All of us have found our own little ni- like niches of community on social media, but blogging was something different. And I think anybody who is a blogger for a while noticed that. And so this is really about like self-selecting our community and building up kind of like a positive place for people to share their efforts and what they're creating. And I mean, we have had tons of people who have like, I don't know, just expanded so far above and beyond what they started doing with blogging, whether it's into like professional writing or being like pro artists or streamers and all this kind of stuff. A lot of people do podcasting now. Um, So yeah, that's probably enough of a plug. I will talk about it next week for sure. But I can't not plug bloggist. I know. And I have to say, you know, I can't not talk about this. When you said that, the fact that I started blogging in 2008 was actually something that my boss took into consideration when he hired me for the professional writing job that I have, because he saw that I could do something like that consistently and go back and look at it and see that I evolved in it. Like he told me that. So you guys, if that is something that you want uh, in the future to do, start doing it right now, because I am living proof that when you start writing about video games that it can eventually turn into a job that has nothing to do with gaming yeah yeah and if you're already doing something every day if you're working on a hobby or making images or you're doing some art or you know a poem or like anything anything all you have to do is like spin up a blog and just throw a daily update on there it doesn't even have to be daily you know just post your work in some form or another and share it with us like that's the whole idea um okay sorry that was a big tangent but i'm i'm very passionate about like that community in general so games that's what we wanted to finish off with here uh why don't you dive in because i know that you've had a lot of games this year and i'm curious which ones that you're going to pull out okay so just to start off with we did the jrpg revelation episode a while back and i have my giant list and i've gone and looked and so since i came back from my my race on but when i figured it out it was like right before that um but since i figured out that i was playing jrpgs and today i've beaten seven jrpgs all the way through that's a lot since uh yeah since then part of it has been you know because of depression with my mom being sick and and there was that i used it as a really good escape for for that and it worked out really well but um I also had a really good time kind of just rediscovering my roots with JRPGs. So that's most of what I've played this year. And it started out, I mean, Nino Kuni 2 was released and my friend Austin got me to to play it and I was kind of hesitant and resistant on it because he had told me about the first one and I didn't know and I never played it and but I decided to do the Steam return thing. I was like if I play it for 2 hours, I'll know whether I like this RPG within 2 hours or not. And at at 118 minutes, I decided I'm just going to keep this and keep on playing. And that was really where I realized that I love JRPGs as much as I do. And so I went through it, and Nino Kuni 2 is great. It's an action RPG. See, Void, it's an action RPG. Yeah, I know that now. Who, who, no, it's an action RPG that has a really interesting combat system that is simple, but not over. But, and while it's still complex, but. It's not mindless mutton mutton bashing. It's not mindless button mashing, but uh, but it's just fun and quick and easy. Uh, the game is beautiful. It really does look like you're playing a 3D cartoon. The cell shading is great, and the story is fine. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just in the middle. It's it's engaging, and the characters are really really cool. And so after that. I started playing uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and it's one of the best RPGs I've ever played. I love this. I know that you 
bounced off of it really hard because of the cutscenes being very long. Yes. And for me, I didn't like I said uh, when we talked about it weeks ago. I didn't think about that because that's part of the Xeno series that I knew that was coming, and it wasn't even. It's one of those that I've played them for so long. It's like, yep, I'm just expecting that. But it does have long, like 15 to 30 minute long cutscenes sometimes. Um, being on the Switch, though, if you need to take a break, you can click it and sleep mode it. Uh, you just can't skip through them faster and get to the, get the, all the way through it like you can in some in some games without just skipping them all together. But I went back and played it and Xenoblade Chronicles 1. So I'm really, really glad that I got through both of those finally. And I totally see what the hype was about. And I'm going to go back and play Xenoblade Chronicles X uh, soon-ish on the Wii U because uh, I've got it. Which that also led me into the Tales of series that I didn't know was a Tales series. And I played through Tales of Hearts R on the Vita, which is really, really cool. And uh, Tales of the Abyss on the 3DS, which is way better. Tales of Hearts is kind of a fairy tale kind of game. Uh, and there aren't English voices in it. They really wanted to put this out for American audiences, but they didn't record any English any English dialogue, but the entire game's translated, obviously. I mean, it's in English written, uh, but that was the only put-off on it, I think. But Tales of the Abyss on the 3DS is fantastic, and if you're even remotely a a fantasy-slash-sci-fi RPG hybrid kind of thing, kind of fan, then you'll like Tales of the Abyss. Uh, check it out. And then I bravely default. I finally got through. It's awesome. It really is a Final Fantasy game. Uh, I powered all the way through it and got the good ending. I did not stop where everyone else told me that they stopped. And I was like you, and part of it was a matter of pride that I was like, you know what? I am not going to quit this. I'm going to power through despite it being a little repetitive and because I have fun playing it. And uh, I'm glad that I did. The ending was great. I had a very good time with Bravely Default. I want to say it was like 63 hours logged, but I know that I died to a bunch of bosses on there, so I probably put in closer to 75 uh, overall. And I've started Bravely Second. I'm maybe like nine hours into it but at this point, but I just haven't uh, played a lot of it. I'm so but glad it's... you like that game because I thought you would but like now you and i are two of the only people that i personally know that have actually beat it all the way through the end i know a lot yes. of people that have gotten to the point where they saw what they would need to do to get the true ending and they said eh, no and they just went for the quick ending and then they looked up the true ending online but i don't yeah. know why i was so determined but apparently you were too um i really like that game i gotta give bradley second another shot i'm kind of waiting for you to get further into it so that i can right. hear your thoughts about it before i go back to it and i don't know if i have well, the time but i i want to at some point I, I can say at this point being where i am and i know you got further i think than i did uh than i am right now but the way that i'm looking at bravely second and the reason i haven't powered through it is because of it would be basically 200 hours of bravely default bravely second is an objectively better game i think it has a better story once it's going to get really ramped up but it is a vastly improved version of the first game they didn't really do anything new but they made every quality of life change that you could possibly want in the second one um that just everything seems to work a little bit better and more smoothly and i just but it has that exact same feel yeah, as the like first maybe one i didn't give enough time between them that might have been all that it was 
I think that's what it is for me. I'm giving it a little bit more time right now. I started playing Rocket League uh, because they had a free weekend and I discovered it. And so I am actually just playing car soccer right now for the first time. I know I'm three years late, but uh, but I bought it because it was, I think, $12 with all the DLC. And uh, I'm giving myself playing it time and then we'll probably move back into Bravely Second again. But And then Jennifer's played Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze on the Switch, which is better than the Wii U version because Funky Kong just gives you quality of life changes like you don't have to get all of the Kong letters in one go or the uh, you don't have to get all the puzzle pieces in, in one go, that kind of thing. I don't know if you ever had to with puzzle pieces, though. But uh, it, it makes it more accessible and fun to play with different parts of the game. And then she's been playing the Lego Incredibles game, too which is a big improvement over Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. I loved the first one of those and didn't really like the second one after I bought it. And Lego Incredibles really feels like it fixed it and it is one of the best Lego games they've ever made. That's and, so cool. Yeah, it's it's great. Like, I can't wait for the DLC to see what they do with stuff on this one like they do with the other Lego games. And then... Uh, Dragon Quest Eight. I played through my very first Dragon Quest game this year, and I finally see what all the fuss was about. It took me a little bit to really get into it because it's a very traditional RPG still. It is old school, like they're not taking any chances kind of series like Final Fantasy does, and it works out really well. It's a great game, and I cannot wait for Eleven to come out. That's awesome. No, I'm, I'm so, so glad excited. that you found so many JRPGs and other stuff to dig into, but a lot of JRPGs is here, so... Mm. I'm, I was excited to see which ones you would pull out. Um, for me, I have a couple that I need to mention that I know are not going to make the cut for me for end of the year. So Battle Chef Brigade, which I don't remember if right. you remember me talking about this one, but it's one. I do. It, it's basically like Iron Chef, except you have to go out and it's an action platformer where you kill the monsters to create the ingredients that you use to cook. And then the cooking itself is like uh, a match three variant game where you actually have to like match things and like make the dish and you have to make it for the judges who are judging you. I don't know. It's really cool. It's fairly cheap. I think it was like $15. Um, I played it on switch, but I want to say it's almost everywhere now. Um, it's definitely on PC and on the switch. Those are the two I know for sure. So battle chef brigade was good. I, it won't be in my end of the year list, but I have to mention it because I did have fun and it stuck out in my mind as a really good indie game. Um, yeah. Into the breach is the other one that falls into this category. Like it's a really, really solid turn-based strategy. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I want to keep going back to it, but the problem I'm running into is that it's on PC, and I just wish it was somewhere else. Like, if I had it on, ideally, like, my phone or my iPad, I, I don't, honestly don't use my iPad that much, but I'm basically port-begging for this game, which mm -hmm. I try not to do a whole lot, but, like, Into the Breach, I just want it handheld so I can play it more often. Um, it is such a good and, like, I, I don't know, uh, streamlined, like tightly knit together uh, mech game where that's turn-based. And I don't know if that even does a good job of explaining it. Like how how much they must have taken out of this game to refine it down to what it is because, it, okay, here, here's what it is. I've talked <laughs> about elegant systems before and how much I appreciate an elegant system where like it all interacts in such a seamless way and everything ties together very intelligently, right? It's not just systems on systems on systems for the sake of having them. It's like everything is there working in harmony. That's how I felt playing this game. So if you like turn-based strategy, you definitely owe it to yourself to go get into the breach. It's on Steam right now. I hope it comes to other places later. It's one that I want to play 
but I haven't honestly cared enough to go play if it when it gets on a different platform because I like those kind of games on mobile as well like uh, not necessarily mobile but handheld because of like uh, advance wars and stuff like that those that's where I like playing those so when it gets on something like the switch I'm absolutely gonna pick it up because it sounds great yeah yeah it's good I'm mean, another one on PC that I don't know it might make it in the end of the year but we'll see how the rest of the year goes uh slay the spire is Mm. i mean it's early access but it's such a good deck building game and i love a good deck building game that's put together well i don't know what else to say about it i said a lot right when i played it for a while i still go back to it fairly regularly uh my daughter likes it a lot too and i keep hearing it come up like in the gaming community like people keep bringing it up so i think it's doing fairly well uh i might just kind of wait until it officially launches because i'm in that spot with it where i really liked it Uh, but i want to see what 1.0 looks like i don't want to burn myself out on it in early access but slay the spire is really good if you like card games especially deck builders um and then the one that i put this on the list and i took it off the list like five different times so i eventually put it on the list is Fortnite, and (laughs) of course it's so you had to i mean you had to you talked about it so much and it's like it's so good as a games as a service model and i just i don't know i can't believe how much effort they've put into this game and like everybody who's doing like games as a service needs to take a play from their book like they so i ended up grabbing i didn't even say this yet on air at all i grabbed a battle pass for season four and oh you did yeah i got to rank like 70 you remember where i was like i got rank 100 in season three and i Uh was like i don't feel like starting from zero again well i got to rank 70 in the last like two weeks here and i just haven't mentioned that i've been playing it but i've been playing it again and it it keeps pulling me back in because it's changing like the game keeps evolving it keeps changing um every like little patch that they do tweaks something or adds something it changes the map or it makes a new little thing in there and sometimes it's super minor like there was all this fifa stuff going on there's the what is it world cup i'm so bad at sports um and so they added a bunch of just like soccer pitches where you could like kick the little ball into the goal and it would send up a bunch of streamers and then they made it into one of the uh, achievements for that week. Oh, so cool. And but the thing is, it's stuff like that, that they're doing constantly, like every week throughout a season, they add things like that to the map or they change things. And then as you go from season to season, things are changing like very largely or more dramatically is probably the way to put it so this was like the superhero season and they were hinting at and building up towards some kind of countdown and if you were there in real time when the countdown went to zero there was a rocket that launched and it looked like it was going to be a giant missile that would explode things and then instead it ripped a hole in the sky and started teleporting through time and space and then disappeared and that's (laughs) this happened real time in a multiplayer competitive game which is just like it's ambitious i mean that's weird not like, a lot what of places it, do that like, it's like i didn't even heard about that like what happened like what did it do well that's when the they thing did it that? ripped a hole in the sky and then for the last two or three weeks here more and more of those rifts have been appearing all over and pieces of the landscape and of the scenery and of the different like cities and places that you can go have been disappearing into these rifts and then they've huh. been appearing in the real world so there's like a giant burger that appeared in the Arizona desert. I think there have been llamas from the game, like the big pinata llamas that have been appearing all over Europe. Like they are tying this games as a service 
into something that is constantly updating and evolving in a way that I've never seen before, and they're tying it into real-world stuff, while they're constantly hinting at the next season. So the next season huh. is starting within like a day or two of when we're recording this, and the idea is that it's probably going to be something with like time travel, with these rips of whatever, like these rifts are, but nobody knows for sure yet. They've been teasing it for weeks, and no one knows. And it's just, it's so cool that they're able to tell this story and build this world through all of these events over time i'm i'm amazed by it as much as i don't like competitive multiplayer games i keep coming back to this one because it's so good so i couldn't not add it here and i might have to include it on my end of the year list because of all of those reasons and i don't like the game itself uh it's just not fun but i can appreciate that service model i can appreciate the love that they're putting into it for their player base that they are they really are going above and beyond for them and it's something that more companies need to take advantage of that they need to really engage well so that they can do uh like make their games as much of a success as this game is well and not to mention the fact that they keep bringing it to more systems like i yeah. was kind of done with it and then they brought it to ipad and then i tried it there and i was like oh yeah this is kind of interesting oh, i might as well play on pc for a couple more days and then it happened again with the switch like i was done and then they brought it out on switch and i was like i might as well download it and try it out and then i played for a little bit and then i picked up the season four battle pass and then i played mm -hmm. on pc for a few weeks like it keeps finding ways to bring me back in and i have to acknowledge that and you do you play mainly on the PC on this one? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Okay, I was just curious on that one more than anything because of all the uh, PS4 and Switch crossplay issues that they've had lately. Yeah, it's that's weird stuff going on with PS4 and Sony that I don't want to get into. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely a consideration. Um, yeah, I mean, that was why I was asking is because if you had played on PS4 and then picked it up for Switch was no, I've was been playing on thing. PC and I've played on mobile and I've played on my iPad and I've played on Switch. I think those are all the platforms I've tried. And I've played it on PS4 and a little bit and then PC mainly whenever I was playing it. So yeah. I haven't even tried it on Switch yet. Um, so another one that I have to mention is Frostpunk just because like it affected me so much. Like it told such an impactful story of being in like a, a you know, different version timeline post apocalypse that's just cold and freezing yeah. and snow and i went in depth about that on one of our episodes so i won't do it here um but if you like real-time strategy and you want to experience just like such a well-realized feeling and world um i i can easily recommend that like it frostpunk is so good for what i paid for it well for anything but it's just a good game um god of war was great and Again, I talked about that at length when it came up, so I won't spend a ton of time on it here. Uh, the story really worked for me, and like the no cuts at all throughout the whole game worked for me really well. It was the reimagining of the series that I didn't expect, but I was so pleasantly surprised to figure out what it was. I have not heard one bad thing about this game. It's good. It's really good. And I the the combat part of it was fine but that's not why the game sticks out in my mind it's for the world it's for the story it's for kind of uh, not the production values but the way that the game is put together as a cohesive whole right so the way that you interact with the world and how that interacts with the story and how the environmental storytelling plus like always having your son as a companion um, yeah 
all ties in together, there's something about the complete package that is way more than the sum of its parts, which isn't always true. And something like we said before, it's I didn't really like the God of War games originally. This is one that I'm probably going to pick up eventually. That it still may not be the kind of game I'm in the mood for right now, but it's great. And it's the kind of game that I would definitely get into. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, All of these are easily recommended. And then probably my game of the year at this point, even though I haven't really been ranking much else in this episode, um, but Monster Hunter World. Like, I I was so surprised how much this game grabbed me and how much fun I had with it. And just, like, playing with other people was a part of it, but I did probably 75 to 80% of the game completely solo, and that was great too like i finally got over that barrier that everybody mentions every time they talk about monster hunter that there's just like such a steep learning curve and you just have to get past it and if you do there's a huge game there for you to embrace and explore and learn about and after trying the last four monster hunters and bouncing off them um this is the one that finally got me there so it, it was just so much fun, and I am excited for any Monster Hunter they put out from now on. I'm really glad that you liked it as much, because that was one of them that I bought and regret buying, because I thought I was going to like it, and it's just, I don't know, there's something about the gameplay on it that I like the idea of it, but I don't like the actual play of it, if that makes sense. It, it is too repetitive and too grindy for me in a lot of ways, where I like parts of it but I don't like the entire game itself. Yeah, no, I can see that. And I also remember feeling that the first couple times I tried Monster Hunter, amongst a lot of other frustrations that, I don't know. That they fixed in this one. They did. There's a lot of quality of life improvements, which is probably why I was able to get over that hump this time. But just beyond that, like there's something at the core of the game that's really fun, and they have my attention for any future game, which is basically a huge accomplishment after having bounced off so many in that series and as we're recording this right now the pc version of it should be coming out is it next week or is it this week it's i think it's it's, beginning of august they just announced it within the last day or two here but i've been seeing more about it like it is soon so if you've been waiting to get it on pc it is right around the corner yep it's almost here um i think that's it for our list this week I think so. I think that got through everything. Like, that was a much longer episode than I thought it was going to be in terms of just the stuff that we had. Not even time, but we just have more stuff that we liked this year than I thought. Yeah, and like I said, I always like to take this pause to just, like, talk about everything up to this point. Because by the time we get to the end of the year, probably half of these things will have fallen off the list. And it's good to take the mid-year break and talk about everything that we liked in the first six months. And that, like I said uh, at the beginning of this episode, this is a really good time to, if you haven't caught up with the season yet, just start here. Uh, tell your friends to come in, and if they like it, then they can listen to anything back. But it's just a good way that we want to give these recommendations for you guys because we want you to enjoy the same stuff that we do, that we love this stuff so much that we don't want you to miss out on something awesome. Uh, kind of like me and Rocket League. It's like three years later, it's like, who knew you actually liked the cars playing soccer? That, that we want you to like this stuff. 
Yes. So it's always fun to get other people involved and get them up to speed and try to convince other people to do the same things we're doing so we can all talk about it. That's the fun part. Um, that's probably it for this week. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we also have real-time discussions on Slack and Discord, uh, which we just started up a Discord server. So if you have a Discord account already, go to discord.geek2geekcast.com to join uh, and talk and play with us and if you use slack at work and need some way to hide what you're doing then go to slack.geek2geekcast.com and get an invite for uh, for our server there and like we talked about earlier we're still part of a podcast network so just go over to geek2geekcast.com and see all of our shows and listen and make friends i blog at agreenmushroom.com whenever i get around to it which hopefully i will a bunch in august um and you can find me at gr and mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beach that's beach with two e's and depending on where i fall in bloggist i will be blogging at somewhere somewhere you keep talking about consolidating we'll see what happens I do. uh we've been void beach with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye geeks i've missed you Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.